On this episode of Whale Cave, Jay Logic drops some knowledge about the Los Angeles DJ scene, as well as how Leonardo DiCaprio makes pasta sauce. And host Matt Price introduces a new segment called LA Nights Hot Nights. Whale Cave starts now. What's up, everybody? This is Whale Cave. Matt Price here. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, happy 2015. That was uh, D'Angelo and the Vanguard off his new album, Black Messiah. One of my favorite albums of last year. I'm here with Matt Belknap. Hey, happy new year. Happy new year. We were talking about, can we still say happy new year? It's the 14th right now. And yeah. I think we have not seen each other in person until today. Yeah. So I say it's okay. In 2015. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm glad. This is the first one in 2015, first Whale Cave. Yep. Super excited. Thanks for listening. The, on uh, Whale Cave, people come in and tell funny, interesting stories about music. My guest today, I'm, I'm very excited. Jay Logic is here. DJ, producer, writer, all kinds of things. Psyched, he's here. Um, he knows a ton about music and has some great stories, so we're going to talk to him in a bit. Uh, oh, also, folks, if you're in San Francisco... Uh, on the 24th of January, pretty soon, I'm going to do a show up there. So if you're in Oakland, San Francisco, hey, if you're in Marin, you can take the BART. Do they have the BART in Marin? I, you can I take your know. limo, whatever you're doing. There some way to get. Yeah. It's also Lido. So I'm doing a show on January 24th, part of Sketchfest. Uh, it's called The Great Debate, Ferris Bueller. My friend Lisa and I debate if Ferris Bueller is an American hero or the downfall of our once great land. That's right. It's a very serious, serious debate about Ferris Bueller. So if you're interested, come on down. Go to sfsketchfest.com. It's not serious. It's it's pretty ridiculous. Uh, and if it says it's sold out, please get yourself on the waiting list. Last year was sold out. It was a lot of fun. Um, all right. So before uh, J Logic comes out, comes on the show, I want to just talk real quickly about uh, a new segment we're going to do right now. Let's hear it. I had a I had a uh, my wife took me on a great night. Okay. Great LA night. I know sometimes you know. I bag on L.A. a bit because mm-hmm. I'm a Chicago guy. Right. But this night was a classic Matt Price L.A. night. <laughs> so it happened uh, very recently. So this is a new segment called L.A. Nights, Hot Nights. L.A. Nights, Hot Nights, L.A. Nights. <laughs> Wait, that's you? <laughs> that's me. That sounded really good. Did it sound good? I expected it to be from a song, like yeah. an existing song. And uh, and then when I heard it, I was like, oh, I don't know this song. And then I was like, oh, because that's mm. Matt Price. <laughs> yeah, it's actually fun. It's the band Fun. Oh, wow. Well, I recorded it. That's amazing. In my basement. You, yeah. Um, all right. Check this out. Okay. So over the break, uh, my wife is my birthday, right? Mm-hmm. Um, long story short, uh, my birthday's in between Christmas and New Year's. So no one's ever around on my birthday. Happy birthday, by the way. Thanks so much. Uh but like you know, it's always like for birthday parties. It's always like, like my third best friend, <laughs> like my cousin and like my cousin's neighbor. It was just like a random <laughs> gathering. Yeah. But this year we didn't even have like a, ram, a random party. It was just like no one was around. My wife was sick, so my wife delayed it mm-hmm. and took me out for like a classic. She's like, "Man, I, just, I want you to do what, like I want to take you on like an ideal Matt Price night." So this is a, a hot night L.A. night for Matt Price. Okay. Cassells and L.A. people, listen, write this down. This is a hot night in L.A. <laughs> Cassell's Hamburgers. Which I heard is changing hands or something. Changed hands. Oh, already happened? Already happened. And it's okay? Love it. 
Oh. Double broiler. People were complaining of some... I understand. It's much glossier now. Yeah. And people don't like that. Get lost. But then people don't like it. Yeah, it lost a little... But they had the double broiler from back in the day. Okay. They still have the signs. Mm-hmm. Anyway, top five hamburger in LA. Uh, new school ice cream, salt and straw. Don't know them. Larchmont, delicious. Then, here's the part that's most interesting for Whale Cave listeners. Went to Hotel Cafe. Okay. Mm-hmm. You ever been to Hotel Cafe? No. On Kawanga. Anytime you walk in Hotel Cafe, I think it's going to be pretty good. Okay. You know? So go to Hotel Cafe. A lot of singer-songwriter types there. There's this guy, and I wonder if Jay Logic has heard of this guy, Bernhoft. Have you heard of Bernhoft? Sounds familiar. Okay. Bernhoft. <laughs> we'll, we'll officially bring Jay Logic in a minute. Bernhoft is a, he's got an album called Islander, and he was nominated for a Grammy this year. Okay. First non-American, I think, to be nominated for a Grammy for... um. R&B, hmm. I think. That's what it said on Wikipedia. Anyway, walk in. Never heard of this dude before. Like, Norwegian fellow. Packed. Bernhoff fans going crazy. <laughs> and I always think it's nuts when you walk in and there's like a band you've never heard of. Because I feel like I know. I mean, not that I know every band by you're, any You're pretty means. on top of stuff. I mean, I'm kind of on top of stuff. But like, just the fact that it was packed and people were like, Bernhoff, burn. <laughs> it was nuts. <laughs> There was a dude, and he was great. He was great live, and he looped a lot of stuff. It was just him. But there was a dude in front of us who every time Bernhoft hit a note, or like, because he had you know range, pretty good range, and he mm-hmm. went like really high. And anytime Bernhoft hit a real high note, this guy would turn to his girlfriend or his date or something. He'd be like, <gasps> "No!" Like not like a no, he didn't kind of thing, but like no, like just. Like shocked. Wow. Like legitimately. Like, like legitimately like delighted. Uncomprehending. Yeah. Like he'd be like, I mean, you can't see me now, but like hands on like home alone face. <laughs> like, <gasps> like, you know, like crazy. Right. Which was really cool. You know, and it was yeah. just a real like mixed crowd and young, old, white, black and Asian. Just like it was fascinating. But Bernhoft, if you're if, so anyway, if you're interested, Bernhoft Islander, I thought it was he was really good. But it was just a classic L.A. night. So you ran home and got that album? Yeah, I downloaded it on the way home. That's how I felt. That's how strong I felt. That's that's what Matt Price does. That's real strong. Yeah. (laughs) The only thing stronger than that would be if you, like, downloaded it during the show and started listening to it (laughs) instead of the concert. Yeah. (laughs) I have to hear this (gasps) As I was downloading it. (laughs) Did anyone... Were you annoyed? Like, that's annoying to me if a guy at a show is making a scene with his reactions I don't you know like what that. he wasn't making a scene as much like he was keeping it together okay i mean so it pe- wasn't it wasn't a detriment to the to the performance no i didn't think so okay i was excited because i like when people get that excited especially in la most yeah. people in la are sitting there like checking their phone right you know how would kobe do you know they're like jimmy pardo went to the cat stevens show mm. that everyone was talking about for good reason and he said like right before it started the guy behind him just went 38 years and like and like <laughs> right and like jimmy got goosebumps just from that guy doing yeah 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 it's like that that kind of thing can actually i think maybe enhance a show when you when someone's super into it and i think so you can you can sort of ride their energy and like get on board yeah we saw get on board Br- the peace train <laughs> get on board yeah uh, ooh, uh yeah uh when we saw bruce springsteen at this la sports arena we were just surrounded by people who were like basically 65 and wearing sleeveless shirts. <laughs> and at first I was like, oh man, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But they were so into it that by the end I was also like, Bruce. And <laughs> right. I'm not a huge Bruce Springsteen guy, but yeah, they but were so like, 
just telling stories like, I haven't seen him since, you know, whenever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I thought it was cool. So yeah. I, I was into the Bernhoft. All right. I'm going to check it out. And the fact, the other thing is because he was like, I had no idea who he was. I'm going to download it while you're talking about him. That's how <laughs> yeah. excited I am. <laughs> <Made me excited. gasps> yeah. Anyway. Anyway, that was a hot night LA night for Matt Price. So, uh, yeah, download it, folks. Bernhoft. And go to Cassell's. LA nights, hot nights, LA nights. <laughs> I honestly feel like I just do these segments so I can do a stupid jingle. I think so. Yeah. I think that's become obvious. Because there's no real point to telling that story. I mean, like, it was fine. It was fine. Yeah, I didn't know if there was going to be... The, the story itself, I didn't know if there was a big payoff. Like, no. Because I thought a, a classic... Now you know there wasn't. A classic Matt Price night was going to involve some sort of... Uh, a turn for the worse. Like I thought, oh, you know, like, I don't know how that makes me feel. No, no, no. Because like, I don't know. I feel like that's what your Facebook wall kind of looks like is like uh typical map price. Like, uh, oh, right, right, I, right. I set out to have uh three salads today and now I'm <laughs> eating ice cream for breakfast. Like, <laughs> oh no. So that's what I've thought of. <laughs> Maybe that's not the best example. But you right. know, you know what you know what rest. you write on Facebook. No, no, I know. That's just that's my rep. I want to have a night one night where it's like, what's my rep? You know, like mm-hmm. like we all tell each other our reps. That, well, your rep is, you'd is write it like a self-deprecating. You're a master of self-deprecation. But is that my rep? Is it like, oh, here's Matt. He's going to say something self-deprecating. <laughs> I kind of think so. Really? I don't know. Kind of for me. Oh, wow. To me, it is that's a little bit. That's why I thought that story was going to have a, a, a self-deprecating turn. Mm. somewhere right but it was just a great night like no there's no, no, no nothing else it's just great like, 2015 I'm, I'm psyched man for you. i'm psyched that you had that yeah <laughs> it's psyched for you little guy <laughs> no it's that's great. hilarious well, right. i'm glad that's my rep um hey listen speaking of reps uh j logic is here no self-deprecation here Oh, sometimes. It, it all depends. Really? What kind of mood I'm in. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for being here. If you don't have some self-deprecation, something's wrong with you. Yeah. If you don't have some. Yeah, if you don't have so, at least a little bit. Yeah. You know, throw, a little, throw a little joke out there about yourself. I thought okay. I just had a healthy amount. I think it's a great quality to have. Okay. I think it's important. Okay, great. Listen, this isn't about me anymore. <laughs> My segment's over. Yeah. Like, if Kanye had a little bit, people would like him more. Right. I agree. Yeah. It's like, it's like a sliver. Like, 1%. Throw 1% in there, dog, and... A little yes, people, people will like you like your Jay Z. He wants to be like like Jay Z so bad, but like you're not making it easy for us to do that. Do you think he wants to be like like Jay Z? Yeah. Oh really? Well, I remember I seen an interview with him, and he's like, "Yo, I want to be able to move in a room full of sharks, like you know, like Hove does, mm-hmm. and 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 not be viewed as you know an asshole." Okay, but like he needs a little work on that part. Yeah, but it's like. He wanted it, people to think he was a genius, so he told everybody he's a genius. Right. And look, he backs it up, but for people hate when people tell you who they are. Right. Yeah. What did LeBron... LeBron just had a great quote, I thought, which was something like, if you tell people you're great, you're good... You know, I forget. I, I'm not going to articulate it well, but it's something like, you, you're great unless you tell people you're great, then you're just good. Yeah. Something, huh. it was something that was much more articulate, but... The, that was the idea. Like, don't just be, don't tell people you're great. Just be great. Anyway, it's not you a, lead by example, man. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for having me, man. This is an honor. We met uh, Randy and Jason Sklar do an end of the year. They do a, this great podcast called Sklarbro Country. And we met, they do an end of the year podcast, an end of the year music review. Mm-hmm. And uh, we met on that. Yeah. 
and uh, with Jonah, Jonah was on it. Jonah Ray, that was a lot of fun. Super fun day, man. Um, and you're, uh, I mean, you you do a, a bunch of things. I've done, yeah. You got to have five hustles in LA until, <laughs> like, you know, until you make it, make it, and mm-hmm. then like, then you can chill that down. Maybe three hustles. Yeah, I'm down to like two hustles. Yeah. Okay. Well, I yeah. really made it. Let me, let me walk. I'm gonna pop your collar later. Yeah. Remember, I don't, don't want to be self deprecating. <laughs> 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 I've got I've got twenty five <laughs> um, But you're okay. So my main my fun hustle that I like the most is you know I've been DJing in the scene since I would say ninety seven ninety eight. Okay, like, professionally I've been getting paid to do that since ninety seven ninety eight, which is kind of a blessing and a curse. Now now that I'm getting older, I'm like I can't. People are like, what are you doing after, after you're done eating? I'm going home and going to sleep. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> you're not going to have to party? No. Yeah. Can't do after party anymore. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Got some Ben and Jerry's at home. Yeah. Kick back. <laughs> um, and you're DJing primarily. I do. Well, I do. Well, here's how I start. I started off like doing the house parties, you know, around the way. And then I ended up doing, someone told me, hey, you can take us to a club and make money. I'm like, oh, really? Well, let's do that. So I did a night called Firecracker in Chinatown, which pretty much revived. In 1998, like mid-90s, late 90s, no one was going to Chinatown. No, people were afraid to go down there, actually. Like downtown was a no-man's land. Sure, so yeah. We, and no bullshit, me and my crew single-handedly revived Chinatown to the point where this, this venue we were at was in foreclosure. Mm. We made them enough money that year that they bought the place back from the bank. And then... As we were there for like, I guess like 10 to 14 years, they remodeled it twice. Oh, wow. wow. And you would think they'd hook us up with a couple extra drink, drink tickets for that. But no. <laughs> no? No. No, just still Nothing? dicks. His idea is like, oh, yeah, you know, Chinese New Year, they hand you a red envelope. It had $10 in it. Like, who are you, my grandma? Like, yeah. <laughs> we just made you 13 grand at the bar tonight. What's up? Yeah. So, and then uh, from there, I did And a, you're from, I'm sorry, you're from I'm born here. and raised in L.A. Okay. Um, and then from there, I did a night called Sound Lessons. Uh, we're on our 15th year, I think, right now. Mm-hmm. Um, where I just I do it every now and then. I used to do it once a month, so it'd be 12 events a year. But I got so much stuff going on now. I do it like every three, four months, like a quarterly event. I just have, I invite in whoever I think is dope in music that time, whoever's in town. Usually I do it like around award show time because people are in town. And then whether DJ, perform, whatever, find a venue, blow it out, and then have fun with it. So and it's all about I want people in different genres to be in the same room. And just come together and create a whole vibe. That's the whole point of sound lessons. And then I've been doing DJing stuff around, you know, LA. I go with the money where my manager sends me or whatever uh-huh. I like. If I go to a night like this night's dope, like I talk to the guys, like, yo, can I come in and drop a set sometime soon? I really dig what you guys are doing. And that's kind of how a lot of things jump off, even like when I'm traveling and stuff. I'll, on my night off, I'll check out some other event. Like, this is amazing. And the cats are like, oh, we like, you know, just talk to people, man. Like, people need to talk to people. Get off your phone. Put <laughs> yeah. your phone down and yeah. talk to somebody. I know. I know. Uh, and then you said, when's it you, your favorite well, thing you've been my doing? My favorite thing right now is I do this. It's a night I dedicated to my dad because it's the kind of stuff he listened to. Uh, so I play, like, soul music from, like, 1955 to 1975. Mm-hmm. And I also incorporate people doing retro. So, like, uh, Curtis Harding, you know, Charles. Uh, Amy Winehouse, like anyone doing the, you know, Aloe Black, anyone doing retro sort of sounds like that genre, the old town, Motown classic stuff. Like Sharon Jones. Yeah, yeah. And the Dab Kings, I have them, you know, I'll play that kind of stuff too, Mm -hmm. just to incorporate, because a lot of these kids, they don't know where that stuff came from. So if I play both, 
they'll get it and they'll come back and bring more friends. All right, cool. And where's that? That's at the Thirsty Crow every first and third Wednesday of the month. Okay, great. Just, you know, follow me on Twitter and I post a lot of stuff about it. So you got to come through and have a whiskey on me sometimes. Yeah, so both you guys. Definitely. Yeah, Matt and I always hit the whiskey. <laughs> go get some ice cream. It's a whiskey bourbon bar, specialized <laughs> bar. So, you know, we can, oh, really? we can do some like 18-year Japanese joints. You know what I'm saying? Like, we can, we can go old school hit sure. it. Sure. I wouldn't. In, I wouldn't know. You know. <laughs> Here comes that self-deprecating. I'm not trying to be self-deprecating. I'm just that's, <laughs> now. I made you self-conscious. That's just honestly. No, no, no. Listen, I know who I am. I know. <laughs> I like ice cream and hamburgers. <laughs> so you, uh, you were saying you have, and I would imagine a billion. DJ stories and just meeting yeah, from just growing up here, I assume, and just playing around, yeah, music. Growing up in LA, you see stuff that you wouldn't normally see in some small rural town in, in the Midwest. It's like because back, especially before social media was a thing, like, right? You know, stars and politicians—they'd all hang out at these after-hour spots, and like no one would know. And then you see people like it was real easy to cheat on somebody back in the day before Instagram <laughs> and all that stuff jumped off. Because oh, I know. You've seen an actor like, well, that's not his wife. Right. You know, but, you know, like, just random stuff like that happened. Yeah. And you're, so, okay. So when you started DJing, um, were you, like, was that fresh out of were you high school? Yeah, you, it was like, uh, I was working, uh, doing junior college, working at the uh, Sousa Union Store in La Brea. Uh-huh. And, like, one of my boys there, like, he... he he was a DJ as well, so he was. We would just chop it up, and, and we after work we'd go practice for like three to four hours mm-hmm. scratching. Back then, I wanted to be a battle DJ, so I was watching every scratch pickle video out there, and anybody mm-hmm. doing the DJ battle stuff, and trying to learn emulate <laughs> all that turntables and stuff. Until I realized that the club girls don't like that shit. Yeah, they just want to hear their song. Right, and that's it. They want to dance the whole song. They don't want you to cut in and go back, you know, back and forth through doubles and scratch. Like they just want to hear you play their song. Yeah, or we hate you. Right. Yeah, they don't need you to scratch. That was was a hard lesson to learn. Like you mean I practice all that for no reason? Yeah. It's like telling Slash you can't do solos. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. We just want you to play the song, man. We don't need. We don't need your solos tonight. Yeah. Don't play it backwards. Yeah. With your elbow. Don't do that. Although that's that's a pretty pretty good move. But the reason why I started DJing is because I was a professional dancer at one point, and I kept injuring my knee. What kind of dance? Um, well, hip hop dancing, right? And I also did ballroom dan- ballroom dancing. I was also a mm-hmm. dance instructor at the Beverly Hills Cotillion for a while. Oh wow! So when I tell people I know how to ballroom dance, they look at me like I'm crazy. Especially when I had my dreadlocks a couple years ago, like down to my my hips. They're like, "You don't ballroom dance, right. Like, dude, I will." Put on some put yeah. on polka right now. I will, I will wreck shop right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but after so many knee injuries, I was like, my mom's like, well, look, we can't, you know, this whole you being laid up for, you know, three months mm-hmm. out of the year thing is not good. You got to figure out some other outlet. <clears throat> and that's when DJing came into play. I had the turn, you know, I had the records because we've been correct, collecting records for years mm-hmm. in my family. And then, uh, when I got my first set of turntables, I think in ninety one, ninety two, mm. and from then on that, then on out, it was just a crack addiction of going to find vinyl. But now, this whole digital era has happened. I feel like an idiot right, for yeah. having like, you know, those IKEA crate things. For yeah, sure. I got like three or four of those full, mm. and then a garage full of records. And moving sucks. <laughs> yeah. 
So I'm kind of like, damn, if I started DJing now, I would, I would just have a hard drive and that was it. Yeah. But I wouldn't have all those cool memories of finding where to find, where I found these records and stories. And Yeah, that's what DJing, to me, a lay person, that's what DJing is all about to yeah. me. It's records and it's not just like pressing a start button. Yeah. Start, stop button. It's like if, to me, DJing is manipulating two different sounds to form one mm-hmm. and then continuing in that whole circle until, the, you know, until you're done. So when you start, okay, so it's nine, early 90s. Yeah. What's the, in L.A., what's the vibe in L.A.? Well, the vibe point? in L.A. was, uh, let me think, man, like a lot of Public Enemy, a lot of mm-hmm. NWA. Um, right, that's because we talked a little bit about NWA yeah. with the Sklars, but that is that influencing what you're doing at the time? Because that was enormous. Well, there's a lot of underground backpacker stuff that I liked as well. Mm-hmm. And I was like, like I thought... The New York stuff, East Coast hip hop was more in intellectual right. and smarter than the West Coast stuff because the gangster rap's like, yeah, I don't want it. Yeah, that just depresses me. I don't want right. to hear that. You know, I see that. So like Tribe day. and Oh, Tribe Called Quest. De La Soul like, and Jungle the, Brothers were. Jungle Brothers yeah. is one of the Done by the Forces of Nature is one of the most slept on albums in hip hop history because mm-hmm. they want they were the first, I think one of the first groups to manipulate those funk samples. And they incorporated every style of music you can on that record mm-hmm. and put it out there. So, like, before the G-Funk came out, all that stuff, Jungle Brothers had already done that, mm-hmm. like, probably five years before everyone else it already started on that. Because even, like, Ice Cube and NWA, they were still on Soul Samples, or they had the Bomb Squad. Like, Ice Cube's first two records were done by Bomb Squad and Sir Jinx. So, they were, they like, like, Sir Jinx might have been the third record. And they were still on this, like, old-school, you know, James Brown samples as well, because the Bomb Squad was Chuck D and the Shockley Brothers, who were... I'm a huge fan of those. I met those guys and freaked out. Like, oh, really? Like, people freak out when they meet. Like, I met the Shockley brothers, and I was like, oh, my. Well, of course, yeah. God. Like, you're the, you're the pop squad. Like, are you, what? He's like, yo, man, I'm a fan of yours, too. I'm like, get, shut up, man. Right. Like, stop it. Like, I almost peed <laughs> myself like a little girl, you know, front row at the, the, the Beatles' first show. <laughs> And I was in, like, we follow each other on Twitter. We send each other links every now and then. It's super nice. God, man, these old school cats get it. Like, they realize we were the ground. We laid down the groundwork. We want you guys to keep doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But don't be knuckleheads about it. And you, um, back then, were you meeting, like, were those, like, uh, like Easy e and those dudes hanging out? Yeah, well, Easy e would come in every now and then, too. Okay, so... Our hub back in the day, if you lived, like, pretty much east of Western... Mm-hmm. Or west of Western Boulevard, you went. There was a spot that people don't know about, but David Faustino and Nick Adler, Lou Adler's son, the mm-hmm. guy you see sitting next to Jack Nicholson <clears throat> at every Laker game. Okay. His son brought hip hop to the West Side. Like they put it in an actual functioning venue that people can go attend to. It was called Ballistics, mm-hmm. and we got to see anyone and everyone in hip hop come through there. So third, like every hip hop act came through there because they knew David Faustino. He's Bud Bunny, one of the coolest guys on TV. Like, right. And Bud Bunny, like David, was at every hip hop show. Was he still on? Is he still? It was on still on. So basically, children then. Yeah, he they would he would do the party on a Thursday night because they knew Friday would be a light shoot day and he could be hungover. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> so basically, we we'd go do the party, we'd go hang out, and then like everyone would go to like Nick Aller's house afterwards. So mm. whoever had a car, we'd all just jump in. Whoever had a car back then, because we're all like thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. And we'd all, you know, we just wake up the next day, you know, and Nick Adler's like, you know, back back house by the tennis courts, or whatever. And he's like, all right, guys, gotta go to work. 
see you later. And we all just slowly trickle out, find which girl, you know, you were talking to, so he wanted to keep it going, whatever. And, uh, but like, I mean, back then I had a dance crew called Nuthouse Nubians. That's a really dumb 90s name, but that's, that's, that's 90s. Awesome. That's, that was my improv troupe. Yeah. <laughs> Nuthouse Nubians. So like my dance crew consists of, uh, Will I Am from the Black Eyed Peas, Apple from the Black Eyed Peas, uh, actor Scott Kahn, um, MC Evidence of Dialed Peoples. I think who else? I'm missing. Wait, Scott Kahn was in it too. Yeah, <laughs> that that's the name I didn't. <laughs> Scott Kahn is would a not have hip that. hop head. Like really? True, yes. Wow. No bullshit. Like he's, he that's that's my dude right there. And we have the same birthday. So no way. We're both August 23rd. So um and uh, this Scott I don't know if it was, a, it was uh, his boy that he went to school with. You know he had a hip hop group called the Hooligans, right? Scott Kahn did? Yeah. Look it up on YouTube. I'll be on honest with you. I don't know a lot about Scott Kahn except that he's Scott Kahn. Yeah. <laughs> and, the, you know, the actor. You know, yeah, right? yeah. You saw him in so, Ocean's Eleven probably. Ocean's Eleven, The sure. guy he did the group with was a Entourage. guy called The Alchemist, who's a big hip-hop producer right now. I think mm-hmm. he DJs for Eminem at the moment. Um, he did a lot of stuff from Mob Beep, uh, like, early early this decade and stuff. So, who else? I'm, I'm forgetting, like, three people, but that was the, like people you would know in my dance crew and we'd go to the ballistics every Thursday it was religion mm-hmm. we'd use Scott Con- Scott Con's always been small so we'd use him we'd, t- we'd spin him around to create a circle <laughs> and then just like a rotating yeah, Scott Con yeah then we'd, then we'd, yeah, then we'd <laughs> like put him down in the middle he'd start off you know start off like you know dancing and then we'd all come in afterwards and if any crew came there that day to battle we'd just be like no, this is our house it's what we're gonna do we, we, we served him up so you'd have a battle with whatever Nuthouse, yeah, like, Nuthouse like, Nubians. Yeah, yeah, basically there was other dance crews in L.A. Okay. And they would come there. They heard about ballistics because they heard about like, you know, you know, third base was there last week or, mm-hmm. you know, all these other cats were there last, you know, Easy e was there last week. Um, and they'd come there, see us, you know, and then try to battle. They, I think we, I think we, there was only like one crew that kind of got with us. Other than that, we served pretty much everybody because me and Will, before my many injuries, me and Will would destroy people like, really? you know, me and Will and then we had and if they try to be acrobatic Apple's from the Philippines mm-hmm. like he just he's pretty much a walking gymnasium <laughs> he's pretty much an entire Chinese gymnast team you know what I'm saying <laughs> so if they want to if they, if they didn't want to dance and just do like you know physical break dance moves you know like you know like flipping around or windmills Apple go get them and Apple would come and do the crazy kind of stuff. Would he be your closer kind yeah, of? Yeah, yeah. He's like, like the kind of shit you see on Kung Fu Theater. Okay. <laughs> He'd come and do that shit. And like, it was like, okay, you got it. So you spin Scott Kahn like a dreidel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you guys bust Scott, in. Yeah. You and Will I Am kind of, you know. Come in, you do, do our your thing. thing. And, then, and then Apple. Apple, if we had any problems, Apple come in and close it out for that's us. That's a nice. That's a, that's, that's a killer lineup. Yeah. yeah. No one sees Scott Kahn coming no. in that. Well. <laughs> Like, He's still spinning right now. <laughs> <laughs> and this is obviously before Black Eyed Peas ever existed. Yeah, well, uh, Will, there used to be a, a rap uh, contest every week at Ballistics, and Will won it like like, like 16 weeks in a row, something mm, like that. Jesus. People like people think of Black Eyed Peas now, yeah, pop, whatever. Will I Am to, is like a real MC. He can go out to any battle and hurt people, mm-hmm. like still to this day. Mm-hmm. He's got it up in there. He's never stopped. Yeah. Um. So... Easy E came in the one day, saw saw the battle and signed Will. Like that was his first record deal. Like it's two ruthless records. Hmm. And uh, but the Black Eyed Peas are much later. I'm right. Yeah, because first they had At Band Clan, mm-hmm. and like their big song then was Puddles of H Two O, like a super hip hop backpackery. This before they even had a band. And then when they first came out with the uh, the Black Eyed Peas name, and they got the band together, they started doing a night called P 
Peapod, which and I was a resident DJ for that. So like I think every week or every two weeks, depending on you know when they were in town, they'd come in and do like a jam session. So other musicians would come in and jam, other MCs would come in and jam that they knew, and I would be the house DJ. So in between sets, I would play tracks, and then like the jam session was the early part of the night, and then the later part of the night was me playing records and everyone could dance. Mm-hmm. And that's when you picked up on the chicks and you know do what you had to do. And were you ever part of a like a like a group? that had a DJ other, I mean, I know you're doing a bunch of, you know, you do nights and clubs and, but were you ever like a DJ? In no a one really known because there was so much. I want to be an MC back then. Right. Yeah. That it was like in the nineties when every comedian had a show, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> every comic, there was so many stand up shows. You didn't know what to watch. And so it, it was a couple of MCs I liked, but they just, didn't have it in them to keep pushing. Right, yeah. But but I knew like I could always play records. Yeah. So I just kept going with that. Um, and you were saying, you were telling me how now, you're, I mean, not to skip ahead at all, because I want to hear everything in the middle too, but you were saying how uh, now you are you do these parties and like you run into all these you know, celebrities and... Well, it, it, not like before, before I'm telling you, before, before social media, man, celebs came out in the streets mm-hmm. and like... But they they didn't go out. They don't go out on weekends. So Thursday, well, I'll say th- Friday through Sunday, celebs didn't hit the streets. They came out to the like Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Sometimes Thursday just because it's spots. too, they don't want to get spotted. On yeah, the just because they didn't want to get sweated on a weekend. Because you know, LA is a bunch of weekend warrior ish going on the weekends mm-hmm. in Hollywood. So unless See, that's why I don't do it, that's I guess I figured it's a man, it out. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you got to know, you know, people. I'm locked up. Yeah. From Wednesday to All Monday. Those men of a certain Tuesday age night. fans come in from <laughs> from the outlying areas. Sold used cars. <laughs> yeah. So like yeah, all the hot nights that celebs kicked it at were during like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Monday, mm-hmm. because they felt safe enough to come out. But as soon as cell phone cameras jumped off, it's fewer and fewer. Right. Now there's like exclusive joints that we don't hear about. That I know to go on, but the masses don't get to go to. You need an ID membership kind of thing. Oh, really? Yeah, so that, you know, they... I mean, they I know. With <laughs> like Soho House, you're going to have a membership to be part of that and go in there and hang out. And you're not allowed to even think about pulling out your phone up in that place, so... Yeah, I had one meeting there once, and I was, like, walking around, and it was it was crazy. Yeah. Like, and it was, like, two in the afternoon, and I was like, what? Like, Everyone, everywhere I turned, I was, was like, someone, what? yeah. Like, I would just grab a nap. I was like, excuse me, can you pass? Can I have that napkin? And, like, Courtney Cox would be like, here you go. Exactly. And I was like, yeah. what? What's happening right now? Did you try that $50? Was it $50 or $75 pizza? Like, there was a pizza in there that cost an insane amount of money. It's probably one of the best pizzas I've ever had in my mouth ever. Yeah, I mean, that, was, that place was crazy. Yeah. I'm just letting you know I've been there once. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of spots like that, and there's Didn't spots like job, that that we don't know about. That mm-hmm. go on because you know these nowadays celebs need safe havens. They want to go out. They want to. They want to mingle, but they can't anymore because now the, you know, like celebs stop coming to my gigs. That most of the masses came to unless there's an area where they can go back and kick it or they can't be bothered. They right. don't want to go out because they because like, everyone want a phone. They how would you like if everywhere you went someone put up a phone and started recording everything you did? Like that would drive me insane. Yeah. I don't like when people come up to the DJ booth and say, I'm going to take photos. But, you know, like, I'm like, stop. Get me. Yeah. Stop. That's not cool. No, you took a picture like 10 minutes ago of me. I didn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hey, man, I'm telling, I'm talking about my ice cream and hamburger night. <laughs> let me, let me get this out. <laughs> let me just finish this. 
<laughs> um, all right. So, so what's the um, like? How do you get from doing house parties and you know the Nuthouse Nubians to you know DJing and growing up with all these kids of famous people? And is that is, and, is that yeah, how it was? And, like, it's, and then they're them doing their own things. And hey, man, you want to compete at this? You want to compete? That's how DJ Am got in the game because he went to Beverly Hills High School and knew all those kids. And he started doing the big parties. Oh, okay. Back in the day too, but like. I was in that frame of mind like, well, I want to do underground stuff. I want to stick to that. So mm-hmm. I could have been – I did a couple of those joints, like celebrity joints, but I was like, I can't play. Now I'd love to play Biggie on that. But back then, you know, in the mid-'90s or late-'90s, I didn't want to play Biggie all night or like any – you know, all the Jiggy stuff. It was, you know, the Jiggy era. <laughs> I was too much of a, you know, cool guy, you know, you know, music snob to play all that stuff all night. Like if they don't get Trap or Quest, I don't want to play there. Oh, Okay. So but, if they weren't into it, you were like, no. Yeah, yeah, because I was... It's low-end theory yeah. or nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it depends on how big the check was. But sometimes like, oh, you're going to pay me how much? Okay, Right. Cool. Yeah. I don't have to play bugging out right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's not... Yeah, that's worth me not... You know, even to this day, like, yeah, yeah. That's worth me not having to, you know, not feel ashamed for playing this, these songs or Britney Spears five times in one night. Oh yeah, I guess okay. I never really thought about that. Like, so you're saying you suddenly have to play, you know, Taylor Swift because look, because the cele- they're the paying, they want to hear yeah, it. The celebs have great taste in music. Most of them do, but the girls that like celebs have the worst taste in music. Okay, because most of them are from flyover states. They come to L.A. or New York to be a part of the you know the circus. So and they right. they grew up listening to complete garbage that's played in the middle. Like, not like in the small towns because you know there's that one hot chick group and you know the one hot chick in a small town somewhere. Sure, she comes to L.A. She wants to hear her small town music. Right, and like so that's what a lot of celebrity spots have to play. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and then and you, yeah. after a while, I'm just like, look, there's only so many times I can play Britney Spears and not want to like just cut my hands off and, yeah. and, and retire, man. Just put some nubs on and go eat Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> You should get sponsored by Ben and Jerry's. Yeah, man. Seriously, they don't they don't realize how much ice cream talk is happening on Wilkins. <laughs> <laughs> ice cream and hip hop tonight. Um, that's funny. The idea that a girlfriend of like, just like I never thought a celebrity would have great. I mean, if you would have said a celebrity has terrible taste in hip hop, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. But I, I never really put it well, together that like, like with the Leo story I told you before, like we are. Uh, my man Dave Orlando DJ some spot uh, on Santa Monica. It's like it's near uh, damn. What's that famous live band spot on Santa Monica near Doheny? Uh, near Doheny? Yeah. Oh, the Troubadour. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So there's a spot like a few doors down from the Troubadour. I don't know if it's still there. So like a lot of celebrity joints to jump off there because you know they're all close to the hills. Mm-hmm. So I'm in there playing. Um, my boy Dave's playing and he's like yo you want to close out this last half hour and just play whatever because the last half hour of those nights you can play cool shit mm-hmm. because the promoters are done at the, you know, the door people are done they're all inside everyone's having a good time everyone's drunk enough to like loosen up and hear it. they don't have to hear the hits at that point so I step in while he goes and has a cigarette and I start playing then all of a sudden my homegirl walks up like yo we're going to Leo's house right now grab your stuff I'm like Leo who? I thought it was my homeboy Leo to work at the sushi store with me. <laughs> so I hop in her car and we're driving. I'm like, no, Leo doesn't live up here. He's like, no, Leo DiCaprio. I'm like, oh, word? Okay. <laughs> was this pre or post Titanic? I think it's This important. is, damn, I don't, what year did Titanic come out? That's 97. Matt's a huge Titanic post. guy. This is post. <laughs> okay, so. This he's, is done, like, he's done growing he's pains huge. in Titanic. He's huge at this point. Yeah, he's that dude. Yeah, okay. Um, 
This is Catch Me If You Can, DiCaprio. Right. This is like 2001, 2002, okay, somewhere this is there. Like Gangs of New York, DiCaprio. Okay. And, uh, but not yet Django DiCaprio. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we're, not, we're not that far. <laughs> then we drive up to the place. Uh, he still had a place up in Sunset Plaza, whatever it is up there, like uh, Sunset. I forget what the streets are, but you know where it is. Um, in the hills. Yeah, in the hills. Nice Hollywood crib. Hills, right sure. above the strip. Um, I take his LA kick a pad, whatever. And then we, you know, we drive up the park, we get out, and like to my right is uh, Heather Graham. This is back when she was like 2001. She was the it girl. Sure. Boogie then, Nights. Uh, this is Boogie Nights. Yeah. A little later in Boogie Nights. Uh, who was the first Peter Parker? Toby Maguire. Toby Maguire is to my left. And I'm like, damn, you're a little. Like, mm-hmm. that's the first thing that came to my head. Like, you were both tiny people. It's like Scott Kahn little. <laughs> no, no, Scott Kahn is like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar compared to Toby to- Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, Toby McGuire is tiny. Mm. And okay. like, so uh, I'm walking in, and I'm seeing like, oh, you're so-and-so. Oh, you're so-and-so. I'm like, damn, I'm, I'm looking down like, I feel really underdressed right now. <laughs> and then I walk in, and like everyone's, you know, walking in and saying hello, and, and like, you know, they go, oh, you know, go, go grab me a drink from the bar, yada, yada. And all of a sudden, I look over. And I see Leo DiCaprio like in a like in like a Lakers dark Lakers sweatsuit, just kicking it, and he's making food. And he, you know how he gives you that you know that look when he looks look, look side eyes at something, and you can tell like oh he's not happy right now, like mm-hmm. that that oh damn. And he keeps looking over at me. I'm thinking oh he thinks I'm he thinks I'm like the guy from uh, Digital Underground right now, thought, you know. Like, <laughs> Like he thinks, or like I hope he doesn't think I'm Zach from Rage Against the Machine because I had the dress and I was much much skinnier and looked like, about like him back in the day. And then uh, so then he, you know, my homegirl Susan was walking by him. She goes, "Hey, I'll go grab him for me." So I, you know, I walk over. I was like, "Yeah, well, what's up, Leo?" And I'm thinking like he's about to throw me out because he doesn't know who I am. <laughs> it's like, "Yeah, man, you like hip hop?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, I do. I love hip hop." It's like, "Dude, what do you think of that last trial record?" And all those like the record like I don't know, like the Love Movement or uh-huh. like somewhere around then like their last record or second to last record. And he's like, yeah, this JD dude, but I'm not sure about him. I'm like, yeah, well, you just give him a chance. And, you know, J, you know, this, this is before he was Jay Dilla. Um, and then we're just talking about hip hop. He's sitting there making like this, you know, pasta sauce. As, as I'm talking to him, like I'm sitting here talking to hip hop to Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh-huh. And I'm thinking like there are eight Brazilian miles in the next room right now. And yeah, there's like yeah. there's like all kinds of carnage going on throughout the house, drinking, you know, a few extras. You sure. know what I'm saying? And I'm thinking, this dude would rather talk to me about hip-hop and make pasta sauce than hang out. I'm like, this guy's really cool. Like, he's he's like a normal dude. Yeah. Was he making a pesto? Was it red um, sauce? <laughs> Alfredo? I think, it was like a, I think it was Alfredo, oh. like garlic Fredo. Because uh, he's chopped up garlic. Okay. Mm-hmm. I remember, he like, he smelled his hands. Like, does my hands smell like garlic? I'm like, no, you do good, my hands smell like garlic? <laughs> um, That's and my garlic, homegirl, dude. she was on the couch looking at me. I look back at her. She's just like, in that face, like, oh, my God, you're talking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, because, like, I think I was, like, one of two black guys there. So that's oh, being that. That's what I was wondering. Why did he ask if you liked hip hop? Because it's the I mean, same reason when were I watched you carrying your records, or were you like. Actually, I have my record bag with me, yes. Because okay. I don't want to leave it in the car. Oh, okay. So maybe that. Okay. Um, he might have seen me playing it at the club earlier that night All as right. well, too. Um, so, oh, where was I? So I was standing there talking, and then, uh, all his active buddies come in, someone starts singing a song, whatever, whatever. And it's like, no, nah. I was like, yo, why don't you play some tribe joints real quick for me, man, on the guitar? And like, some dude broke out into like the Beat It Apple Bomb joint, you know, the. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, this is cool. And then. Someone covered Beat It Apple Bomb on yeah, the guitar? On the guitar. 
<laughs> and um, who uh, bam, 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 it was some? Wow. It was the other black guy there. Like, he, <laughs> yeah, he was like he, he like more of a he looked like Hawaiian dude. Mm-hmm. You know, dark skin, a little bit darker than me. Had the crazy, you know, uh, satchel bob kind of hair. Uh huh. And it, it was on the guitar. Boom, 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 boom. It was going. On. I was like, oh wow, this is dope. And then uh. My homegirl came up to me and was like, yo, I got to go. My ex-boyfriend's here. I'm like, so, and she was my ride. So I had to go with him. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? Are you kidding me? Is this before, yeah. this, like, before I was like, I could just call a cab. I didn't right. think that far ahead. Pre-Uber. Yeah. Oh, shit. Uber Ooh. was, yeah. you know how much trouble people got into yeah. if Uber was around in the early 2000s? <laughs> I'd probably have like 12 kids at this point if Uber was around. <laughs> um, knock on some wood. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's one of my random stories. Like, And just to find out like, a lot of these dudes are normal dudes. They want to talk normal shit, and yeah. they can't because everyone has a recording device on them now, and it's, yeah. it sucks. Like they want to be famous, so, so they have the freedom to do other shit with their friends. Well, also, yeah. Now, not only would someone record it, but then it's like now someone, if they're not recording it, they're gonna tweet out like whatever. Yo, Leonardo DiCaprio just asked me if I like tribe. Just had Alfredo sauce with yeah. Leo. Yeah, <laughs> just smelled his finger. <laughs> Smells like garlic. Smells like garlic. Hashtag Alfredo. Back then when I had dreads, like, I cut my dreads off three years ago because I literally got tired of being asked if I had drugs at every venue I went to. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> or do I know what the drugs are? And, like, I don't do drugs at all. I've never been a weed. Like, weed doesn't work. Like, that stuff doesn't work well. Mm-hmm. Like, my nervous system can handle it. I can drink a few drinks and I'm done. Right. I want to be able to get home. A couple whiskeys. Yeah. yeah. I'm good. That'll yeah. last me all night. Two whiskeys, and I'm good for the rest of the night. Uh, <laughs> that's amazing. Um, okay, so what about so you? Uh, you must have run into a million just hip hop. I mean, yeah. you, do you know? I mean, are you pretty much? I just assume if you've been a DJ for you know over 20 years, you know, 15 years, like I was no say, over 20 years, you must have run into. Yeah, and I've done gigs with pretty much everybody and yeah. the grandma as well too. So because a lot of events. Before DJing, like pretty much DJing wasn't a thing until AM hooked up with Nicole Richie. And then people realized, oh, DJing's a thing. Yeah. And now everyone wanted to be a DJ. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, now it's... It's much it's, easier to be a DJ for these kids because they can just get their mom and dad's credit card and hit iTunes and yeah. get a laptop and they're good to go. And now it's like, I never even really put this together, but now you can be a top 40... You can be a DJ on the top forty. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like it's not like, like a means to just get the party going or you know, you know, be a big club DJ. Yeah, like you can actually put out a song, you know, and it's pretty incredible. That's what you have to do nowadays. And I'm working on some stuff now, so because I feel like you have to actually put out tangible music now in order to get get on the festival, yeah. back on the festival circuit and stuff like right, that. Right? Yeah, festival. Sure. There's all you know. So many of them now yeah. that are just DJ, they have DJ tents. And yeah. And like, so like, because their audiences need something tangible to grasp onto. Plus, it helps when you want to sell merch as well, too. Yeah. So, so some, uh, so, okay, so you've met so many. Are there any, I, uh, you know, dudes that you met that you're like, oh, you know, I mean, you said the Shockley brothers, but any, you know, um, or stories that are like stick out in your mind? You I mentioned remember, somebody I remember DMX. having like, I think I host, oh, oh, yeah. Oh. If you, I don't want to. <laughs> That's me smacking my head against the microphone. <laughs> so I get a phone call from uh, one of the bookers at House of Blues. I think this might have been like six years ago. Mm-hmm. Maybe. 
Um, this sports before it might have been like 2007 before Serato was a thing. So you still had to carry records everywhere. Um, like, yo, one of our DJs can't make it tonight. Can you cover and open up for DMX? I'm like, oh, word, yes. Oh, that sounds cool. At House of Blues here in yeah, LA. Yeah, House of Blues in LA. So I pack up my DJ gear. It's like, yo, okay, oh, you need to bring a mixer because DMX DJ doesn't have a mixer. I'm like, what friggin' hip hop? Like, how do you not have your. What? <laughs> how do you DJ professionally on the road for DMX and not have your own records in a mixer? Like, what's wrong with you? Mm hmm. So I bring my mixer up, and I'm thinking this is not going to end well. This is this is not going to end well at all. So I get there. Um, the stage manager, really cool guy, uh, dreadlocks. So we bonded because we both had locks at the moment. And I was like, look, man, is there any way you can uh, get me to go uh, meet DMX? I, got, I brought up much of his vinyl. I want him to sign it so I can you know, maybe sell it in the future if it's worth, worth something. And, uh, <clears throat> and um, so, yeah, let me see what I can do. So I'm standing out in front of uh, – DMX's room of House of Blues, his dressing room, for like 20, 25 minutes. And like the door would open and like it was just like, it was like Tommy Chong would walk out, smack me in the face with a weed leaf and walk back in. Because <laughs> that's how much blunt smoke was going on in there. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, I am, and I literally got a contact high just from standing outside of that room. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, and so the guy finally comes out, look. I'm gonna bring you in there. We'll fill it out. See what happens. You know. You know if he's cool with it. Whatever. Cool. So I walk in, and uh, he's sitting there with like you've seen his videos. It looked like one of his videos in there. All he needed was a, a couple of dirt, a motorbikes <laughs> and an ATV four wheeler, and it, it, that's what it, I'm like. Like you really fucking roll like this. This is like no bullshit. Yeah, the you, pit bulls, the pit bulls room. I said, yeah, we need a couple of pit bulls. We're doing all good. <laughs> okay. Like, but like the big dudes with the shirts off, just you know, slap boxing them. It's like I'm like, wow, this really happens. Like he really like he, he keeps it real. So then I walk in, like, yo, what's up, D? How you doing, man? It's like, would you could you do me a huge favor and like you know, I brought a bunch of vinyl, man. I'm a fan, yo. You know, could you sign some of these joints for me? He's like, oh, what? What you bring? <laughs> He's like, uh, yeah, I'm opening up for you like in 20 minutes if you can like knock these out real quick so I can go. All right, son, let me put them down, man. Let's check them out. So I hand him records. So he looks at one, puts it on his lap, and he pulls out a, a blunt and starts breaking up the blunt. <laughs> it starts rolling a <laughs> on my record. And I'm thinking, well, you could just sign that and give that back to me. I kind of <laughs> got to go. Yeah. I'm thinking that to myself, but I'm not going to tell DMX. Sure, hurry up with that, yeah. Yeah, so he's rolling it, rolling it, and he starts speaking some crazy language. I'm like, what is this fool's, like, say, like, come to find out, sorry about that. No problem. Come to find out that. It's DMX calling. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell that, that story. My boy later tells me, oh, he was speaking Turkish. Because huh? I guess when he was locked up, or somehow he knows a bunch of Turkish gangster dudes. Oh, man. So he knows. He's speaking Turkish to some random guys next to him because these dudes don't look like they're normal hip hop dudes, but they're like yoked out mm -hmm. and and uh, kind of thugged out for Turkish dudes. <laughs> <laughs> like they're hip hop Turkish dudes, um, and they're just talking back and forth. I'm like, this dude knows another language. Like I'm talking, I'm like, I have no idea what this dude's saying right now. He can just be calling me a punk bitch. Like you know, I'm gonna take this dude's records from him, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So finally, like, look, dude, like I gotta go. Um, can I come back afterwards? I think I'm going to, you know, I just want to grab my records. I can go. It's like, oh, so you don't need this. I'm like, yeah, kind of do. Like, you know, like I'm rolling right now. Well, can you, you know, how about I give you another record? Like, I, you know, and I'll just hand him some promo. So it gave me on the way in. He rolled on that. So I finally go to the stage and I start playing. And for some reason, some moron opens the curtains. So that, you know, I'm like, 
why did you do that? So people think the show's about to start. Like, don't do it. I'm, and like, for literally for the next two and a half hours while they're waiting for DMX to come out, like, close the curtain, somebody, because they think the show's about So I'm sitting there. After about 30 minutes, people get a little restless. And then an hour and 20 minutes in, Oh, like no. the booze started kicking in, like dude where's yeah so how long are you supposed to be there uh, they told me I was supposed to play for like 30 minutes okay, like, hour, and then right. like if the crowd stuck around afterwards you can do a set right in the booth back by the sound sound guy and stuff so I'm like alright cool so you're on the stage I'm on the stage with the curtains open no really cool lighting on me or anything just like just <laughs> basic lights I'm just like I'm like I'm sweating balls I'm like I only brought enough records right for you know maybe an hour's worth of records so I'm sort of I'm finding like B sides and stuff, you know, yeah. and then trying to like be cute and like do like you know mashups with acapellas and stuff. And then um, so at one point when they start really getting riled up, I start pretending that DMX is to the side of the stage and I'm talking to him. Oh, what's up, D? You almost ready, man? You oh, what's up? Uh, yeah, you ready? <laughs> oh yeah, work five more minutes. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm like making up conversations with DMX <laughs> to like calm the people down because people are getting really pissed. Dude, off. Then, then the ice starts th- being thrown. And then after a while, like, people in the crowd just said, F it. You know, they just started smoking everything. They smoked it. They had, you know, they got it. They smoked it. So now this huge wave. I don't know if you've ever been on stage at uh, the House of Blues in Hollywood. Like, their air system was to a point where, like, if anything happens on the audience, it ends up on stage. And you can see it coming. So I mm. see huge plumes of smoke <laughs> coming at me. And I'm just like, oh, my God. For a guy that doesn't smoke weed, I am I already had a deal with standing outside of DMX's dressing room. <laughs> And I'm on stage getting high for no reason. <laughs> so at that point, I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing up here anymore. And so I really start having a fake conversation with DMX to the left. <laughs> like, oh, oh, you like soup? <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that what they had in the green room? And after a while, I was like, you know what? I like play a long record, go to the sound. Can you please close the curtain and do something, man? Because like, you know, like, when is this dude coming? And I walk off to the side, find the uh, stage manager. Like, dude, seriously, like. You got to do something. They hear all these boos. Finally, his manager comes out and goes, dude, why is the curtain open? And I'm like, I've been telling him this for like the past two and a half hours. <laughs> and then finally, they close the curtain. <laughs> and I'm like getting ready. Like, okay, I'm, I'm okay now. Like, I'm not freaking out. I'm not paranoid because of the weed anymore. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I'm playing a record. All of a sudden, all the big dudes out of his clique come running onto the stage and like literally push me off the DJ booth. Do you know come? Like, they clear the room like the security. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, F O Y, like Nation of Islam, just clear the whole stage. I'm like, dude, that's my mixer. <laughs> like, that's Those are my records. Let me get to, like, nope, sorry. So I had to sit there and wait. Oh, no. While I did an entire show. And, like, I'm going out of my mind because I'm high as a mofo, not knowing how to deal with yeah. the paranoid, like, and sit through a not a really well done DMX show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So he really lived up to y'all going to make me lose my mind. He made, yeah. you, he made you lose your mind. Oh, my God. And then up like, in here. Up in here. And then finally the show's over. And like, I go to grab my mixer. It's like, DMX, you going to sign my records? Yeah, son, come on back to the dressing room. I'll work it out. So I finally go back. And I guess some other celebrity hip-hop cast were there. And they came in. I saw them all walk in one by one. And after I was like, you know what? I don't need this, dude. Like, screw this guy. I'm out, man. Because like, if he, if he wanted to do it, he would have done it the first time I was in there. Yeah. So that is my... DMX one of the worst. So he still got your record. Oh, he has yeah a promo that I don't care about. Like oh, okay. I, I had to make sure I got because I paid for that DMX record. So like let me get that back. Yeah, okay. And you can take this one. So okay, you I see. To me for free you did on the way the in. All right. Because there's always those guys. The back then label you know had sent out promo guys that come in and hand DJs vinyl stuff back mm-hmm. in the day. So 
which I think like the reason why I think he's a real talk bad boy got let a record play in LA because they had this really big dude who was very intimidating who'd walk up to the DJ booth and he would stand there until you played his record to the point where like he was almost threatening you like <laughs> pretty much short of an ass whooping if you don't play his record son it's going down son, you know what I'm saying <laughs> You don't want me to sit here after the club and we have to deal with this shit. I'm like, all right. And like, he didn't do it to me because I play different kind of spots, but those celebrity joints, right. you show up to those because that's where you want your record to be heard. Right, yeah. So that's my my DMX story. Terrible time for me. It was it was, <laughs> it was was traumatic. That was a low. That was a DJ low moment. Uh, I thought it was going to be a great thing. Like I'm thinking. Yeah, because House of Blues, I mean, that's yeah. a great room. What I was your take Hustle. as a as a hip hop head? Were you a big D- were you into DMX? Like he no, was kind just, of a I, weird cat because like I don't know where he came from. I wasn't but, a huge fan, but yeah. like you know he had a couple of joints I dug and yeah, you know like that first record album where he's covered in blood is one of the most classic album covers of all time. Right, and like think okay, well I have these, I might as well have them sign them. Sure, and you know I was getting paid regardless of what happened. Mm-hmm. It was uh, they should have paid me double after all that shit happened because <laughs> yeah. it was it was and after a while I was like no nah, I'm not working with that cat anymore up at House of Blues but he hooked me up a bunch of free tickets to his, you know a bunch of shows but I got to pick any show I wanted to go to for that year and, and went so he felt so bad oh DMX came around or no, oh, no, no. The, the, the guy who booked the promoter the, club, oh, okay. the booker oh the booker it's okay. like oh man don't any shows you want to come up come check it out so Chocolate Quest Most nice. Dev got to see all those guys alright it's a good trade off yeah the for, VIP treatment that's better than a signed DMX record if you exactly it is yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah I think you traded up on that one yeah I like the clouds of <laughs> Weed smoke coming at you. Ask anybody who's performed in House of Blues Hollywood; they'll tell you. Like, like that their air system just pushes everything to the stage. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Did not know that. Yeah, you and I have never actually been on the stage. We got <laughs> stage of the yeah. House of Blues. That's not a. It's not a big podcast venue. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Staples. We did do a lot of live once. comedy yeah. podcasts over there. Yeah. We got the forum next month. Oh yeah, sure. We're gonna hit that up. Podcast in the round. Um. Yeah, I would. I mean, it doesn't surprise me that happened with DMX. I don't, you know, just that he wasn't like you know what. Now that the most gracious guy, no disrespect. Trajectory now, like it's like that should have happened. That was supposed to happen with DMX. (laughs) He was was just funny. I just saw top five. He was funny. Really? Do you see top five? No. He had a little part in top five. Do you see that? I haven't seen it yet. No. I think you'd like it. I know. I want to say it's it's on my list. Yeah, it was good. But uh, he had a funny. He just just randomly popped up in a funny. uh, did he play scene himself or play Rock. a character? Yeah, he played himself. himself. He was in jail. It was funny. I gotta see He's that. He's trying to break into music, like singing, you know. It was funny. I don't want to spoil it. Don't you? seems like you've already said too much. I'm just saying, I think DMX <laughs> is coming around. I think, I think you guys are going to patch things up. That's my point. He has a new album coming out, right? I heard he's trying to make a comeback. I don't keep track of him anymore, okay. man. That's one of those things that yeah. happens. Like, I was a fan before. I was a semi-decent fan before, and then after that, I was like, you know yeah, what? Yeah. I'm cool on you, man. Well, let's bring him in, DMX. <laughs> That'd be great. That's the real purpose of the podcast. He walks in to patch things up. <laughs> um, man, I feel like I just want to hear more. Any anything you got, oh, but man. I also don't want to. My whole thing is all this. Oh man, let me, let me think. What do you think about? Let me ask you this question because I talk a lot about, and Matt Belknap knows this. I talk a lot about DJ Girl Talk and like the soul, sort of the mashup, you know, like the craze. What are your feelings on that? Like that scene because that... there's a scene now of like the DJ who like you know like DJ Girl Talk who like the mashup artists, the mashup guys. Well, we who call like, those guys. Um, BPs, aka button pushers. Okay, right. <laughs> That's like what we were talking about before. Yeah. Um, they don't. They're not really DJing. They're just. They have a software. They just drag and drop at the right place and, and literally press 
the space bar, start right. the program, and that's it. And like that kind of pisses off guys like me who you know we'd wake up at four in the morning to go to the Pasadena Record Fair to get to see that one dude who, who would like sell all the stuff out by you know by morning's end. You know, all the guys who got you know dirty digging, who who wanted to you know wanted to find a tangible joint like that kind of stuff pisses us off. It really makes us angry because right. We I feel that's cheating. Other people don't think so, but at the same time, it's like, well, what is he doing? Like, I'm telling them, you can do what he does. You can make a playlist on iTunes and press start. Right. Like that's not that's not DJing. DJing, he's is is creating an environment, controlling it. Like you know. Each record triggers a different emotion in a different person. You know, you got to check out the crowd. And my whole thing is my whole my whole thing to myself is never to play the same set twice. Right. Because you're not going to get an honest reaction out of you know, out of the crowd. So I like to switch it up. And like every once in a while, just throw in a joint. We're like, oh, okay, haven't heard this in a while, or just really mess with people's heads, just to see the re- like you guys when you're on stage doing stand up, or like you know, you're, or on the road, you know, doing your, your podcast and stuff, like you. You want that live juice, that live, that unexpected factor to kick mm-hmm. in, and, and that creates something else within yourself to create something else. Something else. So, yeah, I imagine you're improvising a lot. Yeah, I mean, that, to me, the, the the best DJs are improvising, like you're saying, feeling out the crowd. But I'm sure Girl Talk, who I've talked, you know, glowingly about, but like just <laughs> like the actual music, but like it, it's like he knows, like his set is basically it's all laid out. There's yeah. no different. He's not. He's not going to suddenly. I don't think. Maybe I'm wrong, but he's not going to like. He's basically on stage it. when it's like that's in the hoodie and just rocking out to his own playlist. Right. Yeah, play, pressing play. Yeah. And you're, I mean, you're part of a tradition that goes all the way back. Like you're that's, like, that's how it all you're started. doing what yeah. Cool Herc did and, and started in the park, about it. Like, turntables. Those guys aren't, that's not, that's not their thing. I mean, they, they might be finding interesting songs and interesting combinations, but the idea of like being, uh, you know, basically just rocking a party like getting the record and you know that's that's what hip-hop is and i feel like there's a real disconnect between that tradition and like the sort of modern Mm -hmm. digital thing which i agree i like it's it's sometimes it's really cool to hear i i love that you know like we talked about the the biggie and elton john thing like just those two things put together sounds great and i love it but it's not i don't i don't think of that as i like what they're what they accomplish i just don't like how I just don't like how the sausage gets made. Their yeah. saucers. Their sausage factory is not for me. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's just Well it's not really I it's feel like, like a purest thing. I know it's not like I'm beginning to sound like an old guy when I say that, but at the same time it's like this is not what Cool Herc and them started. Right. right. And even if they had the capability to do it, they wouldn't do it themselves. Mm-hmm. They would think it's cheating and it's not you're it's not a, it's no longer an art form. It's basically who knows and who can get enough, who can hire a PR person and get enough followers on you know social media, and listen to this playlist I made. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess that's the way of some music now. You know, just just the digital yeah. influence on music in general. But like I'm watching the Soup one time, and Joe McHale starts. He said he cuts away like he goes, "This is DJ now, really?" And he <laughs> and he cuts to like I think 106 in Park. There's a bunch of guys on stage like, yo, DJ so-and-so, drop that track. And he has a computer out and he presses the space bar. <laughs> yeah. And then he cuts back and then and Joe McHale's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is what it's come to. Yeah. I mean, it's like the drop the bass sketch, you know. What was that? Uh, Andy Samberg 
when he hosted SNL a couple months ago. I don't, I don't, like, I don't, I didn't see that. You know who he is? He's. A, I know Andy for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm aware of him. You know SNL? Uh-huh. It was just a digital short they did when he hosted, and mm-hmm. it was he was a DJ, and the whole thing was like drop the bass, and he was just like kind of like hovering around this laptop and like kept daring the audience by like he was about to push enter or whatever and they were like oh you know and then he finally it was like the guy at the burn off comes he's like oh and uh he finally pushes enter and then you just hear this boom you know the big bass drops and then and he's like all psyched like all amped up and the crowd starts exploding basically and that's the weird thing is that crowds are into that. People want to go see someone do that's, that. That's a, it's disappointing. It's, I kind of blame it mostly on the fans. Like uh, the the quality control is not what it used to be. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, it also just boils down to like it's simply easier. You know, it's easier for like a dude to ha- for well, yeah, me but- to have a laptop and be like push, 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 as opposed to you who are actually like out there, like you said, scouring for records. Like thinking like what about Bill it, does on his computer, I can do that live. Like you know, you give me you know a few hours to figure out the right set, right? You know, and I know guys who would destroy me on the decks, who make me look look like a little kid, who would really put it on a lot of these button pushers live too. So I did an event called My Favorite DJ on the Earth is a guy named J Rock uh, from the Beat Junkies, and they call him the Funky President, mm-hmm. and. He's earned that title for a reason because he, if basically, if aliens came to Earth, we're like, hey, we're going to take over the planet, and in order to keep your planet, you have to battle us with your best DJ. I'm sending J Rock. He's the first <laughs> phone call. He's the, he's the Bruce Willis in, in Armageddon, whatever that movie was. Yo, you got a job to do. Go go save Earth because he can do things on turntables and but still keep it. You know, club friendly girls still get it. You know what I'm saying? But the guys are still freaking out that he just did something. So like he's he's probably the cleverest guy on two turntables. He's like the Louis C.K. of DJs. <laughs> like what makes him? So you say Louis C.K. Like I know for me, like what makes Louis C.K. special? Yeah. You know, like what makes him like he has the skill level fighting the aliens. Has, Why is he? Fighting he has the skill level of no other. Like mm-hmm. you know, he's actually created certain styles of DJing that people now emulate to this day, and the stuff that he thinks of to play and when he cuts into a record he'll find like he'll find a track he'll find the track the person the sample of that track cut it in play them both together bring it back in out go back and forth like he just does he's so clever like I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it and like he's mm-hmm. my he's my a friend of mine I'm like so I'm like you know every time I see him Mr. President how are you <laughs> <laughs> he's like come on Jay stop like alright so I uh, clear the lane uh, POTUS coming through yeah <laughs> but um spin Scott Conn around clear the lane yeah <laughs> <laughs> let him walk in <laughs> but he's a super humble dude like he doesn't think he's that great but like you know he looks up to guys like Jazzy Jeff who who's still killing it right now like Jazzy mm-hmm. Jeff will break a club into bits right now oh really oh Jazzy Jeff is a beast like Jazzy yeah Back in the day, Jazzy Jeff was the draw. Fresh Prince was just his hype man. Yeah, yeah. The, okay. You know, it, it was the other way around. Like, Jazzy Jeff is the reason why people came out. Yeah, because I had... um, What record did I have? It was when he... Uh, was the first that? one? Rock the House? Yeah, was it... Was it... Is that when he beat Box Sanford? Well, that, yeah, that was his... That was Ready Rock C. That was the... That, was, that wasn't a... <laughs> they had a beatboxer in that in their crew. That, yeah. 
Yeah, that's that, I still I lost that on vinyl. I need to find it again. That's one of the hardest records to find on wax. Oh, really? Yeah, I think I have it. Really? Yeah, on wax. Yeah, oh, we might have to make a trade. Oh, yeah. shit. <laughs> I'll trade you for a DMX promo. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I know Signed I, I know I had it in, in junior high school or something. Wow, you have great. T- I saw your list of, for your best of Go this on. year. You have you like in the way you were talking about the bands and stuff at the uh, at that Scar Brothers podcast like you know your shit you're not some cat who just happens you know that's why I host a super popular podcast <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'm doing it like, well, we're like yeah in Chicago we're just in the house I'm like well if, he, if he's from the house area house era of Chicago he knows what's up yeah me we had yeah no I, I did I mean that, that's what we that's what our dance party was we had a uh, we had two D, we had a we had a guy who went by uh, DJ Doom before you know now yeah. DJ Doom but like you know, we had uh, that he DJ these parties at the YMCA, and they were house parties, and it was really fun. You know, and it was all back then. It was like Frankie Knuckles and yeah, you know, Mickey Mix and Oliver, and like just old school Chicago dudes. House, just you know, that's how we. That was, like, those even, were our dance parties. Yeah, even the thugs came to the house. Before my boy told me, yeah, the thugs came to our house parties back in the day, the house music parties, because that's where the girls were at, mm-hmm. and they keep it chill because you can't get mad and beat up somebody during a house track. It just doesn't, you know, it doesn't feel right whooping someone's ass to a house track. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know there's something so lovable about a house track. Yeah, you just want to get in there, feel the warmth. It's vibe fun. Out. Yeah, it is. It's great. It's the to me, it's still the best dance music. So when you guys were doing that, my older sister and her friends, they were going out to stuff like. You know the trend, like they called it back then. They called it trend, trendy music, but mm-hmm. like it was like the electro stuff, like Egyptian Lover, yeah, Rodney on Joe Cooley. That whole scene spawned out here. That was before the like hip hop thing kicked in. So everyone, you know, you put on you basically the, the outfit was you put on like a pair of creepers, <laughs> um, some hammer pants or a pair of monkey boots, and like either you wore a turtleneck or a paisley shirt. If you had a turtleneck, you had a jean jacket with the sheep line. You know, you know uh-huh. what I'm saying. And a high top face sunglasses, or if you had like you know the the, the hammer pants, you had a paisley shirt on, like a, a rayon shirt. Everything was they loved rayon in the in the late eighties. Sure, <laughs> and yeah. um, you went and got your groove on, man. Like there was dance crews back then, and that's where I got my idea to start my dance crew when I became of age to go out the house by myself with my friends. And like my sister snuck me in a couple of those events because back in the day you just needed a college ID, and West LA College they were so cheap, like. You just brought your own photo in. They gave you the ID. You had to stick your photo in and iron it at home to make your own ID. <laughs> so she had a couple of those. So like a bunch of like few of them. Are oh, you not? A, oh, come on in. Here, here's your ID. Uh-huh. Put a photo in there. We're going to the club. Man. And like I got to see a lot of great groups. Uh, Jungle Brothers, De La Souls for a show. Like I was super young. I looked like I was 10. Mm-hmm. I don't know how like security was just like, oh, you must be. I got that Webster disease or something. Let them on in. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? He must be a child actor of some sort. Let him on in. But yeah. it was the kind of party where there weren't, there wasn't any bullshit going on because there was no gangster music yet. Right. It was a daisy so, age. Yeah. It was just people wanted to dance and like, and that's how the old days were all you need to do to get a girl was, you know, wear some, wear a nice shirt and have smell good and, and be able to dance. Mm-hmm. Nowadays you need a house and yeah, a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah. I only had the, I could dance a little bit back then. I didn't have the, I didn't smell that good. <laughs> not being self-deprecating I'm just saying you didn't have any Jacquard Noir you know what I'm saying you know what I had my aunt worked at Nordstrom so she brought little samples back nice. so every once in a while I put a little like Benetton it was called cool Colors one. it was called Colors back then <laughs> little Colors back then yeah. so every once in a while I would I'd do it up but I did have some good you know I had a good like head move 
I could. I feel like that got lost somewhere. But like in, I grew up in the '80s and early '90s, and and dancing was a part of like you, like Big Daddy Kane had dancers, yeah, <laughs> and that was like he oh, would yeah. talk about them in, in mm-hmm. song, and like it wasn't embarrassing. Now I don't know about now, but I know like you know ten years later that would be you would be seen as like kind of a joke if you had dance, but like because I think Hammer kind of sort of killed the whole like rapper with a dance group, but like. I don't know, like dancing was part of it, and like all my friends and I would try to like imitate. The I was gonna say you had, didn't we talk on Wellcave okay, about you had a dance? I, I, but that was a new kids thing. <laughs> no, that was a different thing. That was oh. a different. That was a that was a talent show. But yeah, but yeah, but that was. But new kids were kind of just doing the same thing. They were just like taking those hip hop dance moves. Well, that's what killed and it. bringing them to the <laughs> suburbs. Yeah. It, well, that also killed it. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, it was it was like. There, no one would like look weird at like like Big Daddy Kane was one of my favorite rappers and he still is. He, he's great and and like it wasn't there was nothing no shame in like having two dance like, yeah. full time dancers in the crew. Oh, it was kind of required because you wanted to put on a show. Yeah, and like you know and and even the rock bands back then they had girls in cages mm-hmm. on day. Right. You know right. you know like that it was a thing. I I missed that aspect of a show. Yeah. Well, I, I remember when I saw I saw Public Enemy when I was in high school too, and uh, Professor Grip. I mean, he wasn't dancing, but he was definitely like doing. Well, they're doing yeah. the army movement. Yeah, uh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that was their ver- that was their version of having. Yeah. Dancers. I mean, it was yeah, it yeah. was for sure. Yeah. It was a show, but they were putting on a show. I feel like now, you know, I think that was like my first real, real like concert in a space. Like like a uh, I saw them right when they came back. Right when they after they broke up, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you hear "Welcome to the Dome come on, like "PE's back," and "Welcome to the Dome came out. Like, we had to pull the car over. We're like, "What?" <laughs> and it's back when hip hop was only allowed on AM radio. Like, so it was basically uh, K Day, fifteen eighty AM. Is I grew on up AM with, radio here. Yeah. Oh wow! It's a, a station in Santa Monica <clears throat> where you went to. They play like slow jams at night, so like from like eight o'clock on or ten o'clock on, it was all slow jams. You can call in and dedicate a song, mm-hmm. and then on the weekends or in the, in the mornings, Get like the force MDs on the school bus on on the way to school, uh, we got our we had a cool bus drive. We'd bump K Day in the morning, so you hear whatever was hot at that point. And then afterwards, you uh, after school, like diff- like like a couple times a week, they'd have students come in and like this is so and so high school and they come in and give a shout out to their friends and you know pick their school play their school's top five songs and they mm-hmm. all voted on and stuff it was cool and I grew up on listening to K-Rock and K-Day those were my two stations so I'm well versed on yeah you know the bands of you know the 80s 90s and on and then the hip hop stuff as well so so you got a lot of Sublime <laughs> yeah you heard Sublime eight times a day a lot of social D <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's all K- K-Rock is just like it's a loop of sublime no doubt and social distortion yeah. I feel like it's like, like San- they haven't progressed I moved Santa, here in 96 yeah. and it's yeah. the same playlist I like I, I, it's not a drinking game but I like turning on the radio and turning on K-Rock and wondering if I'm going to hear Santeria <laughs> they love that they were like we're the first and we're going to be the last like yeah. we're going to be the last radio station to play yeah. sublime yeah it kills it's us. almost like they have a bet like listen <laughs> if or we like get shut was- down for some reason if they take away our license I want to go out playing <laughs> Sandra, <laughs> some yeah. I don't know what the deal is. Uh, they it's a good song. Yeah, I've heard it enough. I've heard all that. I mean, it's in my head right now. <laughs> well, yeah, I'd like to get it out of there. Thanks for 
Yeah. Bring it back. I love hearing Blitz from the Sun. That was my joint. Yeah. Yeah, they play that. I would too. break into a hip hop set with that just because, you know what? F all of you in here. If you don't get mm-hmm. this, you don't need to be in here. You probably got it here for free anyway. Yeah, okay. So that's, that's what I want to ask you before we before you get out of here. Um, what, so what are you ideally playing? Like, you got a night. I mean, I know it's probably changes in what, depending on what the room is. Yeah, yeah. Depends, like, because nowadays, it's not like. Like, a, is something you're into, like, right now that you're like, um, I love playing. I love just throwing this in there. I love. Or is it just, it always just depends? Right now, I'm really digging for, like, the only records I collect now are 45s, because I can't haul a bunch of 12-inches anymore. This oh, is really? Too much weight. Yeah, I'm only digging for 45s now. So right now, I'm digging for, like, classic Golden, a- golden Era hip-hop 45s, mm-hmm. or Motown Era, like, classic Motown Era 45s, okay. like, soul stuff. And then if I catch some cool rock stuff, some classic rock stuff, or, like, just rock anthems, I'll pick those up in 45 as well. Cause you're you're what you were digging was really eclectic. I was like, wow, that was that was really cool. That's Lars. Yeah, yeah. Like they cut off the joint though. Like the first joint, so people only heard like yeah. fifteen seconds of the uh, eBay joint. So I'm like, they didn't really hear the actual song. But cats actually looked it up and hit me up online. Like, yo, that song is dope. Yeah, like, really oh, cool. Like, yeah, definitely. Like, your stuff. Everyone played great stuff. And like, I was really. Like, it's a cool. It's a cool episode. Have you ever heard that? You probably don't. no. You no. probably don't listen to. It. It's like a. Slurber? You're not going to listen to a podcast when you're out of here. This is like your, <laughs> you, know I mean? you want to kick back. I do listen to a couple, but I don't. I I, I never get around to that one. And that one in particular. I'm, I'm, I didn't mean to put you on the spot about Slurber. I meant yeah. just that episode in particular. I, just the yeah. music one. It's, it's just. I want to check it out now because yeah. I, I love. Although I, I don't know why you don't listen to Slurber. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally putting me on the spot. <laughs> no, you can edit that. Out. Yeah. No, I meant more this episode. It, it's just their year on thing. It's right. cool. It's just uh, music. And the fact that Jonah came up with that new format of just one for one, or you know, everyone plays one track because normally. Normally they all play their three tracks and then they're all just screwed like damn I was gonna play that so everyone went played one and, oh cool and then we went back around the table again mm-hmm. and like that was I think that was a great format to do that that way well the cool thing is when you were because I kind of know Jonah, Jonah's taste is sort of leans towards like more punk stuff right yeah and the Sklars have you know they we have a lot of crossover but you know they're tended yeah it's like indie Sklars are funny because the Sklars are always like <laughs> I think I've talked about this before but they're always like a they're the when they they know so much music yeah. a lot of it they'll be like they'll be like ah oh, so i ran into this guy at ralph's <laughs> and he knows my cousin and so this isn't even out yet it was on his phone <laughs> right but it's called a uh, ringtone from my dad and then you're like what like how do you <laughs> yeah they... but they just know so much stuff um, I want to know, like, their memory, their database is ridiculous. The stuff they can pull yeah. in a matter of seconds. Well, there's two of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> twice the capacity. Yeah. It's true. It's like we just have the one. We got two Macs. I've only got this Everyone, to count Everyone's on some PC shit. We got two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're like a DJ. They have two, yeah. two turntables. I've just got one. I've got to keep my... Hey... Thanks so much for being here, man. Oh man, thank you. I want to come back and talk more stuff. Yeah, sometime soon, dude. definitely. No, we'll do it in okay. a year. So, t- okay, tell tell everybody again, uh, just where you're, you, just in general. Well, uh, if you want to find, find you, where you they can, can find me you. on uh, on Twitter. I'm always there um, at Mr. J Logic. That's M R J L O G I C. One word. And uh, I got a Tumblr. There's a link on there to Tumblr. You know, mm-hmm. Facebook. Just type in J Logic. I have a fan page on there. So, and I, I post. I try to post different stuff on each thing but a lot of stuff gets crossed over because everything forwards to everything now and they can find your your best of like i know if my they... best of is of last year of last year should be on i know it's on twitter you, you can find it on my instagram which again same word mr j logic one mm-hmm. word 
You can find it on my Tumblr. Um, I'm going to repost. I'm actually going to put together a set, like a DJ set of mm. stuff I dug, an actual tangible joint for 2014. If I can get it in, I got to do it before the end of January or it's no longer valid. And so first, yeah, and so first Wednesday, first and third Wednesday of the month. You can find me at the Thirsty Crow on uh, Silver Lake on Silver Lake on Sunset Boulevard, right next to uh, Silver Lake Ramen, which is the bomb spot for ramen if you're into it and you're on the east side. Sure, I, I'm an Ochkotch guy, but I'll go to Silver Lake Ramen. Um, Let's talk ramen. The, the for broth, a while. the broth there is Silver like, Lake Ramen broth. I've had I've had ramen in Japan. Okay, and just rivals this, Japan broth. This spot is. Close, not Japan. Nothing's ever going to be Japan, no, but it's only cl- Japan. In LA, this is this is up there. Like. Silver Lake Ramen. Yeah, getting a lot of food recommendations, folks. Right? I, I tweet sells, a lot. I tweet a lot of salt and straw. I put cream. up a lot of food. I put up a lot of. I just put up everything. Like like I do a thing where I watch the award shows a day later. <laughs> I watch every. Oh, you award. were tweeting a lot yeah. about the Golden Globes. I watch. You know, I watch award shows the day after they happen. <laughs> And I, I stay away from all social media, so I'm not influenced by who said what or whatever. I just mm-hmm. go over and I like this Golden Globes was so boring. I was like, normally I have a lot of ammunition just to cap right. on people, but this. So was, people were waiting a day for your comments, and you're basically yeah, the people like, were like, Yo, are you gonna do it? Are you gonna do it? Are you gonna do it? And I'm like, we'll see. Yeah. And then I was like, all right, I'll do it. Let me just watch it real quick. I recorded it. Why not? Yeah, I just I tweeted something out like you know, I don't like, Golden Globes are dumb or something like that, and I got a lot of like. What's wrong with the Globes? People that were mad that I... It was lackluster. It was the, the, the movies this year were lackluster, and so the show... I don't know. I just felt like it was I like, needed more Tina and Amy, man. Like, there was, yes. such, a, there was such a huge block with they yeah. were not there. Yeah. They need to sprinkle them in every now and then. It's because that, that uh, Margaret Cho bit t- took all their time. Like, they had to go back to that twice. You know, the, the Korean thing. Right. It was like... I like that, though. It was funny once, but, like, that took up the rest of Amy and Tina's time. Twice, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I was like, don't let this take over the show. And yeah. Well, they love Margaret. I mean, because she played Kim Jong-un in, in 30 Rock. Right, right. She was hilarious at that. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't mad at that because, I mean... Everything else sucked so bad. I was happy that happened. <laughs> right, right. It was a, a break. From, it was yeah. very boring. Very just bleh. Like, so, folks, don't if you're if you haven't watched the Globes yet, don't do it. <laughs> I want my that's two. I want my three and a half hours back. Well, yeah, it did feel. Sometimes it flies by. Like that's what, compared to the Oscars, it usually like feels like it moves. But yeah. this one felt slow and just like I was looking at my phone. Like just I was like, trying oh, to stay awake. Yeah. Like, I was really trying to stay awake. I mean, this is this has never happened before. Normally, I have enough ammunition. Someone pisses me off enough to where I, I at least have. Right, something. Five tweets until the next award is handed out to cap on somebody. But, like, there was nothing. Like, they, everyone was so nice to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and well, they were drunk. It's a golden gloves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was, what made you, what was, what was a lower moment, that or the DMX thing? <laughs> the DMX thing was kind of a soul, because, like, I can't believe I practiced so many years to have yeah. this happen, to get booed in my own hometown. Because this dude wants to take two hours to, to get weeded up before he comes. And I'm having a fake conversation with DMX. So that was left. worse than not the Golden Globes being bad. Golden <laughs> Globes, yeah, that's, that's definitely worse. Okay, okay. I had friends there who were looking so, at me get ice thrown at sure. me and getting booed at. I'm like, I had friends from Japan like who were like, oh, we love you. We're going to come see you. Yeah. They're like, what's happening right now? They don't boo in Japan. They're throwing broth at you from something yeah. like that. <laughs> that doesn't happen in Japan. They just clap or they just Polite, yeah, it's yeah. more polite. Yeah, well, yeah. United States, uh, American rock, you know, DJ. But we got to have a music swap soon, I told you. In an yeah. We got to sit down and just swap some tunes. Definitely. Well, I'm going to try and find that record for you. Okay. The, uh, I just want to get a photo of that. This is like, yo, I can't believe this dude has this. Like, <laughs> I do. So I know. Rock, rock the house. I have vinyl, a 12 inch. I know that. 
uh, I have it a hundred percent. I have it, whether it's in my garage or whether it's at my parents in my parents' basement, uh, is the question. But I have it a hundred percent. Are your parents out here in Chicago? They're in Chicago. Okay. I'm not gonna say exactly where because I don't want. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you don't want DMX to show up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, son. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want. I'm scaring my mom. Although my mom would be. She loves DMX. <laughs> For real? No, she, no, she loves James Taylor. Um, all right, man. Hey, thanks for coming. I hope anytime. I was enough, man. You know, anytime Very, you guys need, yeah, a, if you need a token black guy, hit me up. <laughs> Even though I'm only, totally. my friends tell me, you only have black dude. So, you know. Well, look. If you need that half, if you need we'll you take know, it. A, a Barack Obama type token guy, give me, <laughs> give me a ring. We got you on speed down. You know what I'm saying? You know where to nice. find me. It's great to meet you, my man. Good to meet you. Yeah, yeah. man. Let me give you a some love real yeah quick. I'm, I'm psyched to check out your year end list or the best of 2014 list cause, and yours too honestly because I need music I I'm lazy my, about it uh, yeah I have the and I'm going to start posting mixes on my SoundCloud again soon I have a, like a four and a half hour I have a Michael Jackson tribute like the year after he what? passed away oh cool four and, and a half hour. hours maybe three hours because like it was like right I had just gotten out of the hospital because I was sick for a minute and then hmm. He passed away, and I was all emotional. You know what? Like I'm doing this tribute by myself. Y'all screw yourselves. It's my birthday party as well, and I do. A, I used to do a Michael Jackson themed birthday party every year. Oh, really? <laughs> nice. And then um, my one of my really good friends is like my little brother is uh, Aloe Black, so he came and hosted the entire night for me. So it's basically Aloe Black, you know, singing and chatting over my MJ tracks that I'm playing. But I also I play not just MJ tracks. I play tracks people sampled by MJ. Right. Sure. You know what I'm saying? So basically everything MJ. Yeah. Man. So, you know, Janet Jackson. So it should be a live set on there still. Oh, really? I'm cool. going to pull that down soon. So go and grab it. I think uh, SoundCloud slash JLogic, I think. Or just type okay. in JLogic. And then uh, I'm going to start doing mixes for the Scholar Brothers. And I want, I want to do a mix. I want to sit down and figure out a mix. I want you to curate a mix for me. Yes, and sure. I'll, and I'll put it together. No doubt. For the, and then you just give it out to your fans, man. Great. Cool. I love give it that to idea. Matt. Well, okay. That's, that's a great. That's a collabo for the ages right there that's right whale cave j logic boom man i would love it that'd be great yeah man just you know put together a nice now i've got it too i got it recorded so you got to do it oh dude <laughs> that's what that's why when i said that on the score but people were hitting me like, are you really gonna do that and i was like well, i kind of have to now yeah <laughs> it's too late same deal here so i told him like every six weeks i'll drop a you know themed mix for those guys and i want to keep it it keeps me going and keeps me interested and, and gives me a new project to work on so the busier i am the more i get done Great. So I love it. All right, guys, cool. thank you for having me, man. Thanks, man. Yeah, thanks for coming. All right. This magic in the air. The night sky breaks your face like a mystery left uncovered. Jay Logic, folks. Yeah. How about that? Dropping science. Dropping some si- dude, we never we've never really and we've never had a DJ. Yeah. Just sort of breaking down the DJ scene. It's great. I, I mean, I love hearing about that. Like, that's such a cool uh, life. <laughs> I mean, I like I was into you know, I was so into hip hop growing up, and and sort of kind of faded out of my life at a certain point. But um, but that's amazing. Yeah, so. I feel like you and I had similar experiences as kids, just you know, loving it, mm-hmm. loving hip hop, but not being immersed in the world, right. And not having anyone to share. At a certain point, I had no one to share that love with, so it just kind of died. But um, or kind of maybe just hibernated or something. Yeah. But man, cool dude, J Logic, really cool. Go see him, DJ. Yeah. uh, If you live in LA, um, or go to one of the many feeds he was talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, 
That's it. That's our show. First show, 2015. In the books. Book it. <laughs> uh, I feel good. I'm not. I'm gonna try not be a self. I can't help it. <laughs> Come on, man. That's who I am, dude. <laughs> I did love, though. It was funny to me. I knew as I was telling that story, like, oh, Jay Logic's about to come in and talk about, like, Leonardo DiCaprio and DMX. Right. And I'm like, I got a hamburger. <laughs> and it was amazing. But you know what it I was? I saw Blaupunkt. Or what was the guy's name? <laughs> Blaupunkt? Bernhoff. We're going to play Bernhoff on our way out. On our way oh, out. Oh, cool. Play. I get that. Was, uh, that was Ariel Pink. That song just now, by the way, it's called Put Your Number in My Phone. It was one of my favorite songs of 2014. Really liked it. Nice. Uh, if you're in San Francisco, come check check out our show, January 24th, 8 p.m. Go to sfsketchfest.com. Uh, Matt Belknap, anything to say? New season of Never Not Funny starts uh, first week of February. You can find it uh, at earwolf.com. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Never Not Funny. I'm at Matt Belknap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The K is silent. K is silent, but the words are not. <laughs> Is that K, your book? Is that your book? The K is silent, but the feed is strong. Feed is strong. Uh, and yeah, at Whale Cave, if you have any thoughts uh, for me or for the podcast, or you can um, write a review on iTunes. That always helps. Uh, but thanks for listening. Hope you liked the uh, the program today. This is Bernhoft. Uh, I talked about him earlier in my ice cream hot uh, hamburger adventure <laughs> off of Islander. song's called Come Around. It's nominated for a Grammy, this album, so... See what you think. See if it's got the R&B flavor you like. All right. Later. Thanks for listening.